From CPR News in Fort Lupton, this is Colorado Matters. We've been crisscrossing the state's new congressional district, the 8th. We stopped in Thornton at its southern suburban end. Am I part of this new district? Uh, Yeah. This is your new district. The 9th district. 8th. 8th. We haven't grown that much. Okay. (laughs) Hold your horses. (laughs) And in Greeley, in the 8th's more agricultural north. Do you know what you're looking at? Yeah. What is it? The new congressional map. Boom! Fundamentally, it means Colorado's getting more representation in Congress, a new seat in the U.S. House. CD8 is a fairly young district. It's also competitive for the parties, and Latinos have a stronger voice here than ever before. The state demographer joins us for a deep dive. Plus, how Republicans and Democrats plan to woo voters here, the majority of whom are unaffiliated. We're all used to monthly subscriptions, monthly bills, monthly fees, and we know paying for things over time makes the total cost more manageable. It's one of the reasons why the majority of CPR donors give monthly, and it's also why many members are able to incrementally grow their gift, making small adjustments as their budget allows. Add a few dollars a month to your monthly contribution. Email your gift increase instructions to membership at CPR.org. Thank you for your support. This is Colorado Matters from CPR News and KRCC. I'm Ryan Warner in Fort Lupton. We are parked in a mobile studio next to a replica of the original fur trading post here. Why, might you ask, did we choose the grounds of the Historical Society for this show? Well, because this spot is roughly the geographic center of Colorado's new 8th Congressional District. Yes, this year, Colorado will elect an additional member to the U.S. House. CD8 stretches about 30 miles north of here, 30 miles south, 10 miles east, 10 miles west. Portions of Adams, Weld, and Larimer counties. So today, we are focused not on the candidates, but the constituents of this brand new district. We've been toting around an unlabeled map to see if people recognize the 8th. Marcia Marcia of Thornton had a clue what it was. She'd gotten a mailer about redistricting a while back. Is this the first time you've seen the map? It is. Okay. What are your impressions? And maybe point out where you live. Okay. Um, so I want 120th. And 120th. There's 136th. So right in this area here. In the southern part of this very tall district. It is. It? it is. You know, we gained a district in Colorado because of population growth. Okay. So the 8th, we only had seven before this, and right. the 8th is a brand new creation and a testament to the growth. Okay, okay. Adams County is definitely growing along with some of these other counties, so yeah. You feel that living I here? definitely, definitely feel it. What does that growth feel like? I think it's exciting, and it also, where we used to feel a little more on the outskirts or feeling a little bit more in with the rest of big city and growth and well we're still kind of on the country aspect I guess it definitely feels like things are moving this way and there's a lot of just movement may I ask how you identify politically so I I do tend to be more on the conservative spectrum yeah so which I think may be a little indicative of this district as well I don't well, it's no, actually quite a competitive district. It's being called really? Colorado's most competitive. Wow, I didn't realize that. So so your vote is going to be hard fought, I promise you. Yes. What issues do you think will drive your vote this year? 
My daughter is a teacher. Um, so I think education is one of those that ranks high as far as being in this community. Can't have been an easy time during the pandemic for your daughter as an educator. Right. She is down in the Springs, and so I think they really struggled. Thanks for meeting me. Thank you. Thanks for, yeah, filling me in on this a little bit. Marcia Marcia of Thornton. She works for the library system in Adams County, known as Anything. And she'd stopped by to chat when we set up at the Thornton Library, which is designed to look like a favorite bookstore, complete with a fireplace. A draw for Almas Cotwall, who'd gotten antsy working from home and came here instead. He's in software, a registered Democrat, and is originally from Afghanistan. Do you know what you're looking at here? Uh, it looks like a map. Yes. District. Congressional district or something like that? You got it. So are, am I part of this new district or is this district well, let's, is it lo- located? Let's look. Yes, I think so. Because you said you're here by the library? Yes. Yeah. So if you live in Thornton, uh, yeah, this is your new district. The ninth district. Eighth. Eighth. Okay. We haven't grown that much. Okay. <laughs> Hold your horses. <laughs> and how did you come to Thornton from Afghanistan? Uh, it's a long story, but fled the regime at the time with my family. What year was that? Um, 2001. I see. And that was just a month after 9-11. So, uh, yeah, so uh, 2001, Texas first. So I did my middle school and high school uh, there. And then I moved to California and then here. Got married, met my wife here, uh, who's also originally from Afghanistan. Uh, and then I moved here. Uh, is your extended family, if you still have family in Afghanistan, are they doing okay? Uh, yes. In fact, my parents are still in Afghanistan. There's been some changes recently, as you <laughs> may be aware of. That is a subtle way of putting it, <laughs> yes. Um, I mean, it's kind of overshadowed by other events in the world. So that's why I, I didn't want to make that the focus, because I mm. very much stand with the Ukrainian people. But that's another topic. Um, yeah, my family is okay. My parents are still there, um, but we're trying to get him to come over here. So Your dad? My, my dad and my mom. Mm-hmm. Will you be voting in this election? I must admit I do not participate as much as I would like to in the local elections, but I always vote in the um, presidential and sometimes the congressional elections. So now knowing that you have a new congressional district, the 8th, this is a federal race, right? It's, it's Washington. Okay. Do you think that you might vote this time? Um, I, 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 I mean, I'm not going to promise, but... Uh, <laughs> I'm not making you promise. Yeah. <laughs> I might. Yeah, yeah. I might. I, I, I mean, I'd like to be engaged more. Software tester Almas Cotwall, who brought some of his work to this library in Thornton the day we visited. Meredith Guarco, a mental health therapist, brought her baby, who was teething on mom's new library card. Um, This is my daughter, who's ten and a half months old. So what you're looking at is your new congressional district. What is it like in Henderson these days? Is it a growing place? Uh, it, it It's really small. Um, most people haven't heard of it before. Um, when I say that I'm from Henderson, even people from Colorado look at me a little strangely. Um, but it is growing. Our neighborhood is called Bell Creek. There's a lot of new families moving in um, with little ones. So it, I think it has a really nice community. How do you identify politically? 
Um, Democrat. Democrat. What issues do you think will drive your vote? You cringe. Do you cringe at the thought of politics? Is that what <laughs> I'm do, seeing? I do. I do. I struggle with it. I'd say um, social issues are the biggest. Do you want to name one? Um, I would say women's rights is a big one. Mm-hmm. Um, Tell me a little bit about your reaction when I asked about politics. Tell me a little bit about that cringe. I think just in the last couple of years, things have become pretty divided um, to the point where we can even be embarrassed about our political affiliation and to avoid conflict with other folks. Um, So I think when people do ask me what my political preferences or background, I hesitate because I'm wondering, is this going to ignite some difficult conversations that I'm not ready to have right now? Yeah, you're not raring for a fight is the point. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Meredith Guarco of Henderson, Colorado, at the southern end of the new 8th Congressional District in Adams County. Then it was on to the northern end of CD8, Greeley, in Weld County, where again we unfurled our map. Do you know what you're looking at? Yeah. Mm -hmm. What is it? The new congressional map. Boom! Scott Magerfleisch there of Greeley, who calls himself politically independent and who already feels at home in the 8th. You know, it's interesting because I moved up here about two years ago. And I lived in Adams County. I now am a part of the same, quote-unquote, congressional district that I spent my entire life living in. So it'll be interesting to see how that changes or impacts or, um, or what is different and what isn't different in that from a political standpoint. We met Maker Fleisch at a distillery in downtown Greeley that, kind of like today's show, is election-related. 477 Distilling was founded by Matt Estrin, who explained the history of the name. Greeley was a dry city until 1969. In fact, one of the principles it was founded on was temperance. Uh, The founder uh, didn't want any alcohol in our city. Uh, They stayed dry for a very long time. And uh, in 1969, a group of forward-thinking business people decided to to challenge that and try to get a vote to legalize uh, alcohol in our city. And so when they took it to a vote, it was the largest voter turnout in the city's history per capita, and the vote only passed by 477 votes. 477, so 477 477, yeah. They make bourbon, vodka, gin, flavored spirits too, like peanut butter, chai. Estrin says he struggled with supply chain issues and tries not to pass rising costs onto customers. As a business owner who wants everyone to feel welcome, though, he kept his politics close to the vest. Less the case for Paul Knopfsinger of Greeley, who offered this when I asked his affiliation. You know, I, I like to say that I didn't leave the Republican Party. The Republican Party left me. And uh, so, no, I don't, I, I'm unaffiliated. I'm, I'm an independent. And he's not alone. 44% of registered voters in CD8 are unaffiliated. Knopfsinger, by the way, is a magician and owns a restaurant in New Orleans. What is the nature of that restaurant? It's called the New Orleans Vampire Cafe. Is it a vampire-themed restaurant? It is, it is. We serve our to-go drinks in blood bags. All of our cocktails are uh, blood types. So like the O positive or Mm -hmm. something? Yeah. And what will drive your vote this year, do you think? Um, Probably, you know, I used to vote on taxes and I used to vote on fiscal conservative stuff. But I think as I've gotten older and I have kids now, I vote more on safety and security and, and the future for my kids. Okay, safety and security. So is crime an issue oh, for you? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, so crime is, is terrifying, especially with, with young kids. My name is Matthew Barraza. I live in Greeley, Colorado. Do you know what you're looking at? 
is that the congressional district? Um, yeah, a district. It is a district. Do you area. know which district? No, Well County. I see the weld. Yeah. So you're in it. This okay. is the brand new congressional district in Colorado. Okay. Is that the first year hearing of it? Yeah. Are you a voter? I'm not, but I actually am trying to actually start voting the next like small elections as I'm learning with the new COVID stuff how important you know small elections are these people are actually able to control a lot of what happens in our lives and so I want to be able to contribute to that. Barraza who's 25 identifies as Latino I mentioned that because the 8th is Colorado's most Hispanic district 39 percent of the population Barraza is also reflective of something else. Many folks in CD8 are unengaged in politics. The district has the fewest registered voters of any in Colorado. But as you heard, Barraza won't likely be a hard sell. He wants to be more involved. And he's already involved in his community. He delivers pizza for now, but is studying to become an EMT. I like helping people. Yeah, I like, I don't know, I want to be able to be the first person that someone sees, you know, smiling and making sure that they know they're going to be okay. You know, and like, I want to be able to be that guy. Matthew Barraza of Greeley, one of the Coloradans we met on our tour this week of the new 8th Congressional District, which gives this state more representation in Congress and another electoral vote in 2024, plus an additional CU regent. Okay, coming up, not only is this district new, it's also quite young, as we'll hear from the state demographer. This is Colorado Matters, live from Fort Lupton on CPR News and KRCC. And the winner is Music Blocks. Congratulations to the hosts and producers of CPR's podcast, Music Blocks. Winners of the first Ambie Award for Best Podcast for Kids. Teachers, parents, listeners of all ages, welcome to Music Blocks, a podcast about the building blocks that make up your favorite sounds, whatever you love to listen to. Find Music Blocks everywhere you get your podcasts. Colorado has a new congressional district, and this week we've been kicking the tires and taking her for a spin. Let's learn more about the trends and demographics here from state demographer Elizabeth Garner. Elizabeth, welcome back to the show. Thank you very much for having me. The communities we visited, Thornton, followed by Greeley, are the biggest population centers in CD8. Name some other sizable cities in the district. Well, you've got Brighton, Commerce City, part of Westminster, Berthid. You know, you've got them, that whole group together that's kind of like the Firestone, Fort Lupton, Frederick mm. group that is in Weld County, parts of North Glen. It's kind of a fun, but I would say kind of like North Metro, North Front Range area of the state. Of course, you'd say it's fun. You're the state demographer. Uh, what, what, <laughs> this area has been growing a lot in the past decade. What has brought people to it? I mean, I think it's important to kind of set some context. One, Colorado grew, you know, fairly well over this last decade. Now, granted, it was slower than several of our decades, but we increased by, you know, it was a 14% growth over the decade. If we look at Adams County, it was just a little bit more. It was 17%. If you look at the parts that came in from Larimer County, that 
also grew by so 19%. But then Weld County definitely grew more, all of Weld County, by 30%. And, you know, I think what we're seeing is we definitely had a lot of growth in what you would consider like transportation and warehousing, which is really one of Adams County's biggest strengths. I mean, it's really on the transportation hubs within the state. So it kind of makes sense that it that was drawing a lot of growth there. Hmm. And both Weld and Larimer County, um, you've seen very, very active economic development. Weld County actually has a very strong manufacturing component that's in food processing. That's part of its strength as well as oil and gas, which is not doing as well right now. So I think you know, a lot of it is just that Colorado's growing and these parts are also growing. The, the very metro front range healthcare is also driving a lot of that as well. Are people in CD8 younger, older on average than other so, districts? <laughs> it is. It's interesting. So CD8 is a fairly young district. So like the state median age is 37 Adams County is 33, Weld County is 34. And those counties are some of our youngest in the state. So uh, yes, we will see that they are a very young county and had some of the fastest growth in the under 18 population. The under 18 population was a very slow growing age group over this last decade, only grew by 3%. But in Weld County, it grew by 30%. We know that this district has the largest percentage of Latinos in Colorado. What can you say about where they live and whether that is a growing population? So in the state as a whole, actually, the our Hispanic population is one of our fastest growing and one of our largest growing across the state. Adams County was unique this last decade to where it now became a majority people of color county, Hmm. uh, which is the first time a metro county has crossed that threshold. Historically, it's just been some of our counties in the San Luis Valley. So we do see that Adams County as a whole is more diverse, but it's within pieces that we're seeing that. In some parts of Adams County, it's it's not as diverse. Like so if you look at like maybe the Westminster Thornton, North Glen are more white, non-Hispanic. But then if you look at Federal Heights, Commerce City, Brighton, they are more people of color. Mm. And the same thing in Weld County is that there's diversity across the county. And so in some of the parts, it's not as diverse. For example, like Johnstown, Kersey, LaSalle, let's see, Mead, Milliken, North Glen, like I'd said before aren't as diverse, but then you've got places like Evans, Port Lupton, Garden City, Gilcrest, Greeley, where it is more diverse. How is this area projected to grow over the next few years? Do you expect growth to continue, I guess? Yeah. So actually, what's very interesting is probably over this next decade, you know, when they do redistricting in 2030, most likely they're going to have to change up this district some Hmm. because it is forecast to be one of the fastest growing areas in the state with, you know, actually Weld and Adams forecast to be some of the largest growth, both of them 
So about 14% of the total growth in Weld County, about 12% of the total growth of the state of the state in Adams County. So these counties are going to be, you know, projected to grow. And a lot of it is, again, one, they are very strong in their economic development and looking for growth. They are really focusing on the industries that bring growth. And I think that that's one of the most important pieces is that it's really, it's economic development and jobs that bring growth. A lot of times people have like anti-people, but they're pro-jobs. I'm like, yeah, you can't do that. If you're, if you're pro-jobs, you've got to be pro-people. And that's what we're, that's what we're seeing in both Adams and Weld County are really looking at it from both an economic development as well as housing stock and looking at new housing. Thank you so much for being with us. Oh, thanks for having me. Elizabeth Garner is Colorado's state demographer, helping us understand the people and economy of our new congressional district. Coming up, how the major parties plan to campaign here and win this new seat in the U.S. House. This is Colorado Matters from CBR News and KRCC, coming to you from Fort Lupton. I look at him like a shooting star. Jim Belushi talks about his brother John and overcoming loss on a new episode of Back From Broken. When you see a shooting star, you go, and then it's gone. It's like magic, right? I look at John as that shooting star. Listen to Back From Broken, a show about recovery, wherever you get your podcasts. Sponsored in part by the University of Colorado Anschutz Medical Campus. The entire U.S. House is up for re-election this year. Democrats want to retain control. Republicans, of course, hope for the opposite. Either way, their path to victory runs through Colorado's new 8th Congressional District. We've been exploring the 8th all week and want to hear now from the major parties, what their ground game will look like, what issues they believe will resonate here. A coin toss means the Democrat will go first. He's Dick Barkey, an officer with Weld County Democrats, and a farmer not far from here. Dick, thanks for being with us. Happy to be here. Thanks for having me. I went back and found that with the exception of one term, your farm hasn't been represented by a Democrat since 1972. And now a Democrat has at least a fighting chance. How does that feel? That's really exciting. As the new boundaries were set, we watched them very closely, hoping that we might end up in the new congressional district. So we're really happy about it. Oh, you were rooting to be in the 8th. Absolutely. And is that because it has been such a Republican stronghold? I think so. We're looking for improved representation in Congress. Do you think that people around your farm know that they have the opportunity to vote for someone other than Ken Buck, the longtime Republican Congressman, is there an education campaign to do? I think that's one of our big challenges, that people need to wake up and realize they're in a new congressional district. I don't think it's widely known, so it's one of our challenges to create some excitement around that prospect. To create some excitement. How, how do you do that? Well, I think one of the best things that we can do as Democrats is to point out that we're, our message is one of, of unity 
And our message is one of working together for the common good and not one of uh, wedge politics and division. Basically, my point has always been it's a lot more fun to be a Democrat. Okay. So when you say unity, you mean to unify the country, not to unify Democrats? I think it's unity all the way around. I think the real message is working hard for the common good, not just things that benefit one individual, but benefit our communities and make our communities better places to live and raise families. One of the challenges you believe Democrats face is you see them as misunderstood. What, what do you mean by that? I think that we're seen as being, for example, not supportive of good law enforcement. Our opponents often tout themselves as being law and order people, and we don't put ourselves forward as being people who honor the laws and respect the law. I think one of the things that's happened is this notion that has been pushed around in the last year or so of, for example, defunding the police, which we didn't step up and correct that notion and point out that we're very strong in favor of of law and justice. Now you say correct that. There are any number of Democrats who say there's nothing to correct. They'd still like to see different investments made uh, than in, you know, traditional law enforcement. Uh, So that strikes me as a place where Democrats don't see eye to eye. But you're coming from your perspective there in a a more rural setting in the 8th Congressional District. Uh, It sounds like Democrats may talk a bit different there. I don't think so. I think that Democrats are interested in investing in all kinds of things that make our community safer. Is that a dog? What do I hear? Uh, Yes. One of the things we have here at our farm is a Five dogs. Five dogs. Okay, got it. Including a a young uh, Shetland sheepdog puppy that we just got a few days ago. So he's he's a young man in training. I just wanted to make sure people knew what was in the background. But but to your point uh, on law enforcement. I think our law enforcement position is a strong one. Law enforcement is actually an important part of overall justice. And effective law enforcement actually protects our individual freedom. And so we're big on that. The eighth is so varied, Dick. I mean, from working class Denver suburbs to fast growing exurbs to rural towns. How, how do you appeal to such different types of voters and communities, do you think? These are some real challenges for us, actually, because when you look at voting in the new congressional district, we see that our rural communities, which comprise by population about a third of the district, that they actually turn out and vote a lot better and and higher numbers up in the high 50s percent at general elections, looking at the last three general elections, Hmm. as opposed to uh, voters in the urban areas, which tend to vote at rates about 10% lower than that. So one of our challenges actually is to get our voting rates up and get our turnout up in our more urban areas. It's a big opportunity. We have better registration among Democrats in those areas. And so we just need to get them out to vote better. And and again, 
creating excitement around our candidates is the key to that, we think. I'll just note that the 8th Congressional District has the lowest voter registration of any district in Colorado. So it is one, getting folks registered, and two, as you say, getting them to turn out. You talk about enthusiasm for candidates. Uh, We know that right now, most Americans disapprove of President Joe Biden's performance. Uh, That's according to polls. Of course, historically, the party with the White House loses congressional seats in the midterms. To what extent do national politics dictate these races, no matter who's in them? Well, they certainly have an influence. It's been interesting to watch the the polls with regard to President uh, Biden. It is a concerning thing as we head into the midterm. But one of the offsetting things for us in Congressional District 8 is we could create more excitement because we are a new entity. And from a Democrat's perspective, our challenge is to get off to a great running start in this district. And one of our goals, our very first thing out the gate, is to work on registering new voters and get our voter registration numbers up. Is that something you'll do, Dick? Uh, that kind of Absolutely. pavement pounding? Absolutely. We're already getting organized to go after that objective. Uh, this new district has the largest percentage uh, in Colorado of people who identify as Latino, 39%. Uh, acknowledging, of course, how diverse that demographic is in and of itself. Uh, how are Democrats trying to reach them in, in this kind of ground campaign? That's a big asset for us, actually. We're going to have candidates that really appeal in that area. One of our candidates is very fluent and for the U.S. Congress is very fluent in Spanish, highly qualified. Both of our candidates that are running for the nomination right now are going to have good appeal in that area. They come from working class families and they are very articulate. So they are going to have really good appeal, I think, in the Latino community. And you you talk about uh, this community as an asset. Do you want to say a, a few more words about that? One of the things that make this community an asset is that while they tend to register as Democrats at a little higher rate, their turnout traditionally has not been that good. Uh, The fuel for that is excitement and getting them excited about a candidate and trying to convince them and make sure that they understand how important these elections are and how important participation is to protect uh, the freedom that we have. How do you understand, Dick, the vast majority of voters in this district who are registered as unaffiliated? And what, what is the potential there for Democrats? Do you assume that a lot of them are Democrats who just don't feel strong party identification? What I don't know. What assumptions do you make? This issue of the large number of unaffiliated voters is a major area of concern in lots of ways. Mm-hmm. First of all, when people go in to register to vote now across the state, not just in, in CD8, they're tending to pretty much reject identifying with either political party. And so I think there are some things we need to fix here in our political system to get people engaged a little bit more. I look at it certainly from the perspective of Democrats. And one of the simple answers that I give to this is we need to let people know 
that it's just a lot more fun to be a Democrat. And we need to appeal to them that it's important to protect their freedom that we could see from watching the daily news, the things that are going on in Europe right now with the Ukraine and Russia, how easy it is to see what could be a vibrant democracy just slide into an authoritarian system. And that happens when people don't step up and take part. So we have a job to convince people across our state and across our country, actually to get involved in the, in the political party with a political party and, and join in and participate in our democratic system. We don't start in as Democrats, assuming these people are leaning toward Democrats or Republicans. We do look at their voting records and we sort of analyze them mm. as to which way they're leaning. But we see them as an opportunity to people who are convincible. These are the people actually to determine the results of our elections in Colorado, the unaffiliated voters. I hear you invoke foreign policy there. By contrast, what are the issues specific to this new district that you think are driving voters this cycle? What have you heard as you've spoken with folks? I think the issues here are pretty typical of other areas. The economy is always one. Of course, nowadays, a, a popular issue of discussion is of inflation that's going on and, and what will be done about that between now and election time. I don't think there's a lot of wide interest in the, uh, the foreign affairs issue. I think people are more interested in their, their kitchen table issues. Access to quality health care, of course, is an issue all across the district. Quality public education, Democrats are going to be pushing to expand that, uh, making sure that we have accessible preschool, expanding our kindergarten, working toward uh, just local economic improvements, creating local economic opportunities, making sure that our local economy is strong. We have some communities in CD8 that have fairly high rates of poverty. And so one of our concerns is to address issues that create more jobs and more opportunity economically in those areas. Before we go, you have said that Democrats have more fun. Are, are you handing out party hats? What, what, what do you mean? I'm one at, at our events. I'm always asking, well, where, where's the music? We just need to have a good time. We're so lucky, uh, and we take this for granted in our country. And I think, again, the, what we watch going on in Europe, listening to the Ukrainians say, all we want is what you've got. We, we take all this for granted, and we, we should be celebrating it, uh, celebrating our freedoms, celebrating our democracy. It was a gift to us uh, from our founding fathers that we have this system. And our system is robust. It's, our system has actually passed a stress test, in my view, in the last five years or so. And we're surviving. Uh, and it's an amazing credit to the founding fathers that they created a system like this. So it's a cause for a lot of celebration, I think, on the part of us and, and I think Democrats especially. Dick, I'm so grateful. I haven't heard anyone invoke fun in a political interview in a really long time, if ever. Thanks for your time. It's great to be here.
Dick Barkey, a Democratic leader in Weld County. Democrats in the 8th Congressional District assemble April 5th. When we come back, the Republican plan to win and possibly to serve CD8. This is Colorado Matters from CPR News, live in Fort Lupton. When a boulder lake was infested with thousands of goldfish, authorities worried they would destroy the ecosystem. All methods of removing them were unpleasant. Then, flocks of migrating white pelicans descended upon the lake, gorged on the goldfish, and the problem was over. Spring brings the white pelican to Colorado lakes and reservoirs. It stands four to five feet tall, has a nine-foot wingspan, and a huge orange bill that sports a prominent bump during breeding season. Then there's the pelican's famous large, stretchy pouch it uses as a net to scoop up fish and amphibians. It's a myth that pelicans store food in there. By summertime, you'll find pelicans gathered into squadrons for cooperative fishing. And when Colorado waters freeze over, it's a signal to the pelicans to head for warmer coastal waters. A Colorado postcard from CPR with the support of Coble and Company. Before the break, a Democrat ran through issues and strategy here in Colorado's new 8th Congressional District. A coin toss determined who went first, now the GOP. Joe Jackson is executive director of the state Republican Party. He's originally from Windsor, about 30 miles north of here. Joe, thank you for being with us. Uh, Thanks, Ryan. It's great to be with you guys. What do you think is the GOP's greatest strength and conversely greatest weakness in this new district? Uh, And I'm speaking specifically of the House race, of course. Yeah, well, I think this is going to be a super critical district for us here in 2022. Probably the biggest positive we have is the failures of, um, one, the Biden administration, but also the Colorado Democrats here in Colorado. So I think it'll come down to issues and um, the issues that voters care about and the records of you know, what has actually occurred the last you know, year, year and a half. So you're saying that the GOP's greatest strength is the Democrats' failures. What do you see as the GOP's greatest weakness in the 8th? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I guess I haven't thought a ton about the greatest weakness. I think, um, obviously, it's a new district. So there's a lot of things that will come into play. Engaging new audiences. I think 38% of that district is Hispanic. Uh, So engaging there, uh, 40% of the district is between the ages of 26 and 45. So it skews a little bit younger. So I think it'll kind of test our candidates and our structure of how we engage with, you know, kind of different audiences than we have in the past. Uh, So Latinos are a different audience for the Republicans, do I hear you say? No, I think um, I think it's going to just be more of a focal point for us this time. Um, I know Chairwoman Brown when she took over as party chair, made it clear that we need to focus on engaging every voter in the state and making sure that we're creating a message that talks to, you know, kind of all audiences. Uh, You're speaking of Christy Burton Brown, the chair of the Colorado GOP. I'll note that despite the percentage of Latinos in the 8th Congressional District, uh, none of the Republican candidates running for the House are Hispanic. What does that tell us? Um, I think it's more, um, you know, it's going to come down to issues. And, you know, we're seeing, especially I think in Texas and nationally, 
a lot of Latinos and Hispanic voters are shifting towards Republicans. You know, when you look at the issues that people are talking about in that district and across Colorado, it's things like inflation, it's crime, it's education, it's things that are are touching everyone's daily lives. And I think we need to do a good job of reaching out and kind of explain to them why uh, Republican policies and Republican candidates are the best ones for accomplishing those goals. Did you try to recruit folks? And and again, to this idea of whether that reveals anything. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, we've worked hard to recruit candidates that are you know, focused on uh, the issues there in CD8 and have local ties and local experiences and strong backgrounds. And, you know, that's definitely something that uh, we're excited about is several candidates we have in the race that have been local elected officials, capital officials, um, or just different backgrounds. So that's something that we're certainly excited about. Do you think Democrats have taken Latinos for granted? I think that's probably a fair assessment. I think you probably want to talk to them about that. But I think you know what we're focused on is making sure that we're running our playbook and making sure that we're talking to them about issues, you know, getting there on the ground early, getting getting staffers and volunteers out there door knocking, making phone calls, uh, doing the hard work early on so they know that, you know, we're, we're focused on delivering on the message that we're fighting for. You also uh, made mention of folks 26 to 45 uh, and that that's a significant portion of the district. Yeah. Are younger people a harder sell for the GOP? Oh, no, I definitely don't think so. Obviously, you know, I'm kind of in that younger range and I'm from Windsor, which is just outside of the district. But I think um, our biggest strength in talking to these voters is the failures of the Biden administration. We're talking about, you know, 7.9% inflation rates, which is a 40-year high. We're talking about huge crime rates. Um, And then also talking about failures abroad, whether it be um, Afghanistan or um, the failures of this administration to deter what's happening in Ukraine. It's so interesting. When we spoke with Christy Burton-Brown, the chair, she said mm-hmm. this. W- she kept saying this is going to be about local issues, local issues. Yeah. And yet I, I hear very much you nationalizing this race. No, I mean, I think it's obviously going to be a combination. But I mean, I think I'm talking about uh, local issues like the economy. Uh, I'm talking about stuff that's, you know, being made up in the commitment to Colorado, whether it be, you know, making Colorado affordable again or prioritizing public safety, expanding educational choice um, or ensuring that um, you know, kind of energy independence. Oil and gas was a huge driver and is a huge driver in CD8. And the Democrats have done everything they can to kind of destroy that industry um, across the state. Uh, they'd say that they're fighting climate change, which, you know, given the fire that we saw in Boulder County can feel positively existential. How would you respond? Well, I think, you know, obviously, um, you know, climate change is something that should be focused on and is a serious issue and something that voters do care about. But also we're seeing that, you know, the Biden administration out there begging OPEC to open up more oil wells and do more drilling uh, when we have clean energy that we could tap here. Which clean energy are you referencing there? I think, you know, clean oil and gas here in Colorado. Oil and gas in terms of carbon is not clean. No, but I think, uh, you know, if you look at, um, you know, how how we drill here, is cleaner than, you know, in other countries that don't have the same type of regulations or, you know, um, those type of, of issues that they're looking at. What issues do you think Republicans see as unique 
to the 8th Congressional District. Uh, You've invoked oil and gas there. Are there others? Yeah, I think there are, you know, several issues that are unique to that area, you know, making Colorado affordable again. This is a growing area with new developments and new people moving in and, you know, ensuring that we're keeping Colorado affordable is going to be super critical. Prioritizing public safety is another one. Expanding educational choice, uh, focusing on conserving our environment and creating jobs and opportunities. All of those are super, super important and ones that Republicans have and will continue to deliver on. This notion of making Colorado more affordable, it's a very appealing notion, uh, given the state of housing and gas prices. Mm-hmm. Can, you be, can you be specific with us about how a GOP uh, vote would bring that into someone's lives? I mean, these issues are so global and so complex, you know? Yeah, um, they are global and complex. I think one area that we can probably tout is you know, this is this is a federal office, um, CD8. Um, whoever's elected here will go to Washington, D.C. to represent these voters. And they'll have votes on big legislation packages coming out of D.C. And we've seen time and time again that Democrats have continued to vote for costly bills that have driven up inflation. You know, I think we're at 7.9% the last few months. That's a 40-year high. So sending someone that understands you know, what families are going through and isn't going to just, you know, write a blank check every few months, um, I think is important. Didn't a lot of people in the 8th, though, benefit from the kinds of checks you're talking about, various rescue packages after an unprecedented pandemic? Well, I think you got to look at, you know, um, you know, some of the things that were done in the early part of the pandemic and then the late part um, that have really driven up inflationary costs across the country and are still you know, driving things out of control today. So I think that's an important distinction that everyone needs to look at. You find the earlier rescue packages to have been more important and sounder policy than the latter ones? Well, I'm saying that, you know, people need to look at, um, you can't just be writing blank checks. At the end of the day, you know, um, there is no free lunch and taxpayers know this. And we need to send someone to D.C. who understands that and is going to you know, look out for the taxpayer's best interest. Judge Jackson of the state GOP, I am incredibly curious about unaffiliated voters. And they are, mm-hmm. you know, the largest block in not, yeah. not only in the state, but in the eighth specifically, 44 percent. You know, I'm always wondering, are these partisans who simply don't register? Are they swayable voters? How do you understand unaffiliated voters? Yeah, I view them as swayable voters that we need to go out and engage with and talk with, you know, show up and have a have a discussion with them about, you know, what issues they care about and then talk about the solutions that our party and our candidates are driving. Do you think all unaffiliated voters are swayable or just a significant chunk of them? Suss that out for me a bit. Oh, no, I think there's definitely, um, you know, probably a good portion that are Republicans or Democrats and, you know, probably aren't swayable. Mm -hmm. But I also do believe that there's, you know, a lot of unaffiliated voters that, um, you know, who are out there just living their lives and aren't spending every day, um, like you and I, Ryan, looking at, you know, everything coming out of D.C. or out of Denver. They're living their lives. And, you know, when it comes time to vote, they're going to look at, you know, candidates in the party and see, okay. Um, you know, this person's talking about, you know, making Colorado affordable again, or, you know, the taxpayer bill of rights or building strong communities, those issues. And that's how they're going to vote. Uh, speaking of turnout, you know, the, the false claim that there was widespread election fraud in 2020, 
has taken root in some Republican circles. And I wonder if you fear that will suppress turnout if you have uh, a portion of Republicans, at least, who don't trust the system. No, I'm not. You know, we won quite a bit of stuff back in November of 2021. And I think uh, Chairwoman Christy Burton Brown has been clear that the only way that you guarantee a loss is by not showing up and voting. There's a lot at stake for Republicans because they want to take back control of the U.S. House. What sort of spending do you expect from the National Party in this 8th District, Joe? Yeah, I'm not going to get into allocations right now, but uh-huh. I will say that we we will have the resources here to win this seat. Uh, I feel very confident. I've had a lot of conversations uh, with you know people across the state here in Colorado, but as well as um, you know, people in D.C. that are focused on ensuring we elect someone who is going to fight for this district and is going to fight for these families. You don't have any worries about national investment in this race? I do not. Okay. One concern for either party, both parties, is the fact that the 8th Congressional District, as it's drawn, actually has the fewest number of registered voters. You know, so turnout is one thing, which we spoke about just a moment ago, but getting people registered, which can happen up to and even on Election Day in Colorado, is another thing. Talk to me about what the ground game looks like for registration for Republicans. Yeah, I think there's something around 455,000, I think, total voters in CD8. And I know as we're kind of putting staff on the ground there, you know, making sure that we're getting people registered and, you know, registered on the Republican side is going to be critical. We're showing up at community events and talking to people and um, explaining why they should register to be Republicans and why they should vote Republican in November. So when you say community events, you mean non-political things, fairs and such? Yeah, I think uh, you really limit yourself if you're just showing up to political events. Like you said early on, um, you know, the unaffiliated vote is super critical to winning CD8. And we can't expect just to you know, show up at, at political events and, and win it. You mentioned being from Windsor, Joe. Had you yeah. hoped Had you hoped that Windsor might get into the new eighth? I mean, as they were drawing the boundaries, did you have any dogs in the fight? I was definitely paying attention. Yeah, I think it would have been fun to have uh, had Windsor drawn in. Um, obviously, I'm proud to be in Congressman Buck's district, but... It's a district where I've spent a lot of time. I feel, you know, very comfortable that um, our party and um, you know some of the candidates we have running will will be able to win in November. Thank you so much for being with us. Awesome. Well, thanks, Ryan. I really appreciate the time. Joe Jackson is executive director of the Colorado Republican Party. We talked about the GOP's hopes here in the eighth congressional district. Their state assembly is April 9th. And the Democrats joined us before the break. Everybody come together now, cause it's comfortable we are putting down. Ain't about to wait for you to decide the weather, what the how. Our coverage of CD8 continues Monday with why Latinos' political hopes are high here and a rundown of the candidates who want to represent this district in the U.S. House. Plus, a profile of the Greeley Soul Band you're hearing right now. In a mobile studio in Fort Lupton, I'm Ryan Warner, with thanks to producer Carla Jimenez and audio engineer Pete Kramer. Hi, Pete. Hi, Colorado. He says, hi, Colorado. This is Colorado Matters from CPR News and KRCC. searching for the ringer.